Hello, listeners. This is The Critic. Just wanted to let you know, before we introduce our special guest in this episode, that we will have our review of Blair Witch. Yes, that's the sequel to The Blair Witch Project, which opens Friday. We will have that on our website before Friday. So we don't have it done for this episode, but it's coming. It will be a sneak peek just for you. Be sure to check out whywatchthat.com before Friday to get that review. Again, check out whywatchthat.com. You'll get that review and more. Oh my goodness, listeners, we have a special guest host for you um, for this episode. And indeed, it will not be his last, I have a feeling. Absolutely not. We want to welcome Lauren St. Victor to our show. You know him, especially if you watch Guiding Life, The Bold and Beautiful, and an episode of Ugly Betty. He's an amazing actor (laughs) out in LA, and he's deciding to join us as we celebrate television. We Heart TV. Lawrence is a great friend of mine. And I will have to say, the ying to the critics' yang. (laughs) (laughs) On this episode of Why Watch That. Here we go. (laughs) Somebody, somebody give me uh, an upper because I'm going to sleep. Okay. No, it's character development. But that's it. Now, see, I'm glad you said that, Lawrence, because look at here, though. However, the local priest who's played by Martin Sheen, along with the townspeople, find that one of them comes back to life. Ooh, three days later. (laughs) Three hours, three hours. Three hours, sorry. Go on the set and actually fake a landing Uh. on the moon. So conspiracy theorists are going to go nuts with this. Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. That. Presented by Dynamic Network. The Why Watch That Talk. Hey there, listeners. Oh, my gosh. Your iPads, iPods may explode. Special <laughs> guest with us. <laughs> His name is Lord St. Victor, dear, dear friend of mine, and is a mastermind when it comes to television <laughs> and when it comes to film. He's an amazing actor out in L.A. doing his thing. You can catch a little bit about him on our website. But um, today, we're going to talk about something that we're all excited about, and that is the return of television! Oh! <laughs> we are ready. We are ready to bring back. Now, last week we talked about, or last uh, episode, we talked about the shows that are new, shiny, and brand new, but we're talking about these old-head shows. Shows that are returning, <laughs> and we're excited about it, so let's get this party started! Yeah! Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, now. You know what? I'm intimidated. I, I'm not going to say anything. You're intimidated. <laughs> I'm intimidated. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do right now? Okay, so wait, wait. Sidetrack, sidetrack, listeners. Now, these these two guys are, they're, they're, they're parallel to one another when it comes to television and movies. I would love for them to be on my team if, they, if we ever play the name game. So, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay, so let's start with, um, I have to start with one of my favorite shows that's returning. All of us love it. And I'm talking about ABC's Blackish. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, we got some Emmy nominations this year that's happening and well-deserved. Now, on the podcast, we have talked about this forever. Yeah. How delicious Blackish is. Oh, delicious. Whoa. Yes. It's a breath of fresh air on television as far as comedy and, and black shows go. As far as shows, period. Yeah, and it's coming back Wednesday, September 21st. Now, look, we know that they're going to tackle all kinds of issues. They're going to do it with lots of comedy. We're going to get all kinds of things. We're going to get traditional comedy. We're going to get satirical stuff. We're going to get comments on society. And I just know that they're going to knock it out of the park because the second season was the test. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And they passed. When you have a show like this that's, you know, it's very funny, and they take on an issue of police brutality, how do you do that in a sitcom but still not lose, you know, the levity? It's still light and funny, but they take on such a a serious position, and and they did it without, I think, offending anyone. (laughs) Which is big. That's huge. That's huge. How do they do that? They I took have on no the idea. N-word without offending anybody. Yeah. No. I started using it more. I started using it. <laughs> oh, no. They said I can use it. I knew what side I stood on. Listen, I'm telling you right here, right now, those people, the, the whole staff uh, on Blackish, they know what they're doing. And it, it really does explore our generation of being black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we, we are not the Cosby generation anymore. I mean, we we grew up with that, but now we're adults. So what does that look like? You know. So yeah, that's Ooh. it right there. You 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 dropping the n bomb. I can't. Do that. Anthony Anderson said that I can do that because. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Let's move on to something a little more serious because we know that on HBO they just finished up their return season, and we're talking about. Ballers. Ballers was that unexpected, sneaky success. You've got Dwayne Johnson. He is back for a second season. Like we were talking earlier in the podcast, things have changed. He's got some competition. And if you're going to have any kind of comp- competition, it's got to be Andy Garcia. <laughs> Yo, Andy competition, though. I felt like when Andy showed up, it was just like, just give up, bro. Andy Garcia is a beast in that role. Yeah. You know, even, look, Mr. Rock. He doing so well. They found out some things about him that is not pretty. It has threatened his career now. Uh, and Mr. Andy Garcia is there with his beard going, uh-huh, yep. You want to test me? That's right. <laughs> you want to go with me? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, you know, it always, uh, I just think that The Rock, this is just a special role for him. And, uh, look, I just like it as a man. I like watching it Sunday night. Sorry. I'm sure you yeah. do. <laughs> I mean, it's that it's that entourage fix, right? It gives exactly. us, puts us back in that celebrity, but very, like, dark water territory, you know? Oh, we yeah. don't need to see you on that show, bro. Hey, Rock, you hear that? 
<laughs> Definitely. That's a perfect show for you. Yeah, you could catch that on HBO. I have I mean they've already renewed it for a third season. So there's more to come with that. Now, let's do some shift changing a little bit. This is not a returning show coming out soon. But it is going to be a stepping stone for a new show coming out. We're talking about Netflix's, we're going to pair them together, Daredevil, and of course the highly anticipated Luke Cage. That's about to drop. Damon Bishop. (laughs) 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 That's his real name. It's Mike Coulter. Mike (laughs) Coulter. What did you say his name was? Damon Bishop. He's from from The Good Wife. Oh, Daredevil, you know that I'm a fan. Uh, Jessica Jones, it was a bit spotty to me, but I like Mr. Coulter in the role of Luke Cage. And I think that he and Mahershala Ali together and Luke Cage, I think I might lose my mind. The trailer was crazy. The music, Harlem, and then I feel the same way you feel about Jessica Jones. It was cool, but the Luke Cage part of it, I was like, give me more of this guy's story. So I'm very excited. That's right. And that is September 30th. We get all episodes, of course. You're not going to see me for a weekend. Exactly, neither, y'all. I'll never talk to you again. My wife going to be like, hey, I'll talk to you on Monday. We about to do this Luke Cage, though. You know what? It's really, it's a good thing because we have Black Panther coming out in 2018. And it's kind of going to set the tone for a different take of the superhero. So That's we're, right. we're really excited about what they're going to do with Luke Cage because that'll help Ryan Coogler gauge his audience, really. Yeah. yeah. And down the line, Fox just announced they acquired the Black Lightning. There you go. They're doing that show, DC Comics' is Black Lightning. And, you know, it's a similar uh, vein of those 70s black superheroes that kind of came out around that time. So there's a, there's a shift happening there. Oh, shoot. Yeah. We just might see you as Superman yet, brother. Listen, man. You got to get, look, Greg Berlanti, that's your show. Yo. Lord St. Victor, don't forget it. Greg, you rock. <laughs> I'm right here, man. <laughs> okay, so, you know, this it, it would be ridiculous if we didn't also mention the fact that another surprise hit from last year is returning. We're talking about Underground on oh. what? WGN? Yeah. Now, we yeah. talked about this show a lot, but we did end with a cliffhanger. Now, we're going to spoil it because if you haven't watched Underground by now, you are way behind. You might want to hit pause or forward like 15 seconds. Underground, to me, was a perfect season one from an unknown. That's the bottom line. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, and, you know, the creative team behind that, they're not old either. And and they really did a great job. They did cast Harriet Tubman for the second season, by the way. There we go. Who is it? Who is it? Well, it's, it's not someone, it's not a big name. So, you know, I'm going to let her introduce herself in the second season. Uh, I just want to make sure that my mama is still going strong. <laughs> you know, I will, look, I will see you in hell. That's what she said. <laughs> she said you first. Right. <laughs> Did you enjoy uh, Underground? It was just one of those you, everybody had to enjoy it. I mean, I loved it. it. It was one of those shows where you know we've seen the slave narrative come up, right, in, in film and other TV shows, and a part of you can feel like we're doing this again. Yeah, Underground did everything right because it wasn't just historical; it was action packed. It was love story. You had heroes, you had villains, you had political intrigue. You had it was it had all those awesome elements that just make it a fun but you know very uh, thought provoking show to watch 
So I was I was in. I was in from like the first episode. I'm like, oh man. Dude, I love the music. I was like, yeah. you know, just using different using our music and putting it to something that's period piece. I loved it. Uh Christopher Maloney was a great he anchored, you know, that veteran who anchored the show and gave it credibility for others to uh, <laughs> tune in and watch. Hint, hint. And uh, they did. And, it, and I tell you what, season two, everybody who slept on it will wake up and tune in. Now, moving on to uh, another show that is very interesting. Fear the Walking Dead is on now, but it's all into anticipation for The Walking Dead Season 7. And, uh, we got a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Uh, if that's what you want to call it. Listen, Megan, I read the comic books, right? The comic, the show doesn't follow the comic books per se, but it does follow its tone and theme. And sometimes it does take it right from the pages. And I'll, all I'll, I'll not give nothing away, but I'll say that Negan is no show. He makes the governor look like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, this <laughs> this comes back on Sunday, October 23rd, The Walking Dead season 7. You don't even need to read the comic book. If you saw the end of season 6, you know that Negan is nowhere to play with. And when my boy Jeffrey Dean Morgan walked out of that trailer, I said, uh-oh, that's it. You just know. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's waiting to see who's dead because we know someone's dead coming back to this new season. I'm just happy that I can watch the show in peace now and not be upset by all of its ups and downs. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Did you, know, you have some issues? Did you have some? I, yes. It started with season areas. two, season three. Yeah, some season problems. Two is flawless. I love uh, Oh, here we go. <laughs> somebody, somebody give me uh, an upper because I'm going to sleep. Okay. Oh, no, it's character development. But that's it. Now, see, I'm glad you said that, Lawrence, because look at here, though. If you go into characters, they better be characters I care about. Don't show me a bunch of idiots. Sophia. <laughs> Sophia in the barn. That ain't get you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now, now look now though season four they started to reel me back in season well, they had a new showrunner that's my- get a new showrunner i i salute i tip my hat to him because um i'm down with it now yeah second and third season even end of the first season didn't do too much for me <laughs> so the mo- most of like the walking dead it's like 50 50 for you Oh, man, yeah. season two was gold for me, man. Now, gold. some of the characters I liked, I'm not saying all of them. There, I do have characters I really like. A lot of them are still alive at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Ooh, we're getting revved up. Dang, y'all. Okay, so we have to end here. Uh-oh. It is the Macbeth of television. Uh-oh. You don't say that word. You're supposed to say the Scottish play, and I yeah, have a feeling. You saw me perk up when I heard it. Mcdoodoo. You're supposed to say Mcdoodoo, too. Mcdoodoo or Mcdoodoo. And yes, you know I'm talking about HBO's Game of Thrones. Go. Oh. Season eight, right, is when it ends. Yeah, yeah so that's two more. Two, two more. more. Twitter blew up all season six long. Everybody was talking about the return of some characters, the death of some characters, and also the reveal of some characters. What's the verdict? Are we excited or are we not? Uh, guest first. I'm, I'm going to let Lawrence take oh, it first. Sorry, uh, like I can feel, so okay. <laughs> uh, I, I am very excited. This season was a little hard for me. It felt like time moved so fast. And a friend of mine told me that the producers said, that time was going to move faster in the season, that 
from episode to episode, it'll be like weeks in between as opposed to like days before. And I wish I would have known that watching it. Mm. So I'm like, how the heck are they going from Dorn to like, you know, King's Landing in an episode? Or right? it felt like things were sped up. But now, but I see what they were trying to do in getting all the chess pieces together. Cersei, Lannister, I mean, I love her. I love her. I love that she killed everybody. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what happens when Jon Snow, Daenerys, and Cersei all, like, kind of come to a head. Yes. Um, you know, I love uh, Lena Headey, who plays Cersei. I do not love Cersei. She's going down. I love going her. Going down, Cersei. Uh- Now, uh, for me, exactly what you said, Lawrence, is why I liked the last season the best. See, now, now, wait a minute. We're getting a theme from you, Lawrence. You like it nice and slow. I like to take my time. Listen, you like a a Tina Turner. She said, sometimes we take it nice and slow. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was was getting bored with Game of Thrones. Please, just sitting around with these swords. Oh, my gosh. He kept saying, the winner's not here. The winner's (laughs) not here. And see, that's the thing, too. We're going to see the White Walkers come in. Finally, where is my boy Varys? Bring him back in. Like, we have all of this stuff that's going to happen. It's about time that all of these things come to a head. We can't watch TV together. <laughs> I'm saying they're like, this is so good. Like, this is so boring. You'll be like, oh, finally. And I'm like, slow down. <laughs> yeah, no, the only exception is rectify. Get, that's nice and slow, and I love it. Okay, so Lawrence, if you have, you know, I keep telling you about Rectify. That is, I haven't jumped on it yet. It's you will love it. It's the sleeping giant. I will say that everybody missed the boat on that one. Every single uh, award show, Golden Globes, yes, you, yes, you, Emmys, you missed it with Rectify. Some of the most, some of the best acting, best directing, best written work, best character development, and. Best slow burn I've ever seen on television, period. And its final season is October 26th, it starts. I knew that would get you going, Ref. That's why I didn't want to throw that out there, Dave. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, listen, oh my gosh, this goes by so fast. We have so many other shows that we really want to talk about, but you can catch all of those shows coming at you again. Just check your local listings and to see what time it's coming. Lawrence St. Victor. Oh, I have a feeling we will be meeting Again. Yeah. Did you know? Part one. Critic. <laughs> I have a did you know for you. Why are you staring at me? Because <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I have a did you know for you. Are you of course ready? you do. Yes. Okay, so here's the deal. Mm. Tell me if you know. This poor actor, actually he's not, he, he did well. This American actor oh. is going down in history for turning down the most riveting, hugest roles of cinematic history. Wait a minute, what? Namely this. Turned down the role of Han Solo in Star Wars, which later went to Harrison Ford. Turned down the role of McMurphy in One Flew Over a Cuckoo's Nest, which later went to Nicholas. Uh, Jack- Turned down the role of Captain Willard in Apocalypse Now, which later went to Martin of... Sheen. Oh. And was slated to play Michael Corleone in The Good Father, but was replaced by Al Pacino. You mean in The Godfather? The Good Father? <laughs> wait a minute, I can't... This is, this is just too many... Turn it off! Wait, wait, how can you even be offered all of those roles? Exactly, well... 
I'll give you a clue. Mm. Just think about the time period and who the major players were. All right, give me give me a break. Give me some time now. All right, cue the commercial. This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Did you know? Part two. All right. All right. You know, I'm thinking in the land of Al Pacino, land of... That's a good guess. Bobby De Niro. But it can't be Al Pacino because he... Yeah, right. Yeah. It's someone in that circle. Yes. So if it's not De Niro... Okay. There's somebody like that. It sure is. All right, can I get... Can I say it? Can I say yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. Say it. James Conn! Uh, James Conn! There you go. Right. James Conn. James Conn was actually... This is a tidbit. You can you can check this out for yourself. They actually have footage of this. James Conn by Paramount. He was Michael Corleone. Oh! Was, yes, they had already... They're like, we want to move forward with this guy. They've already tried. Warren Beatty, they tried. Um, Robert Redford. We want James Conn. But Francis Ford Coppola said, uh-uh-uh-uh. I want it to be Al Pacino. In fact, Al Pacino had to audition over nine times oh. in front of the execs just to get the role. But who was the deciding factor? Diane Keaton says, I like acting with this guy. So James Caan went, was originally cast as Sonny. They wanted him as Michael Corleone, went back to Sonny, and the rest is history. But wow. did you know that James Caan is not only alive and well, but he's back this weekend in, in the film The Good Neighbor and he plays a psychopath <laughs> neighbor or could be psychopath we don't know that's where you got the good father from it's the good neighbor exactly. with the godfather <laughs> back to why watch that a why watch that sneak peek Listeners, you know, Rafa and I, we see so many movies. So many movies. So many TV shows. So many TV shows. But in this review, we get a little special treat, an interesting movie called The Vessel. Now, this movie, everyone, actually is in both Spanish and English. So they shot it twice, Ref. That's so cool. Oh, my goodness. Now, this is written and directed by Julio Quintana. Mm, nice. Okay, and it stars the great <laughs> Martin Sheen, and it also stars Lucas Quintana, Jacqueline Dupre, and Aris Mejias. Ooh, listen to all of that. I bet you <laughs> your microphone's a little wet. <laughs> and of note is it's executive produced by Terrence Malick, and that is instructive for this film, everyone. Do you want to tell us about this, Ref? Ooh, I get to tell it. See, we're swapping roles here. Wait a minute. I got to shift in my seat. Shifty, shifty. Now, listen. The vessel begins and opens with a lot of questions. It's it's shot and takes place in some undisclosed small town in South America. Yes. We find that the village that they're in 
is void of children. Oh. Now, the lead, uh, whose name is Leo, he and his friend are deciding to go off to a big city. Yeah, because they can't stay in this place. They can't stay in this place. There's no children. Everybody's depressed. But Leo is taking care of his mother, who seemingly has some sort of strange mental illness, almost like Alzheimer's disease or something where she can't clearly communicate, but she is still vibrant inside. She wears different colors. She wears lipsticks. And he he helps her get dressed, literally. He can't leave her, so he's going to bid his friend farewell. Now, the night before they leave, they decide... Sneak in the church and drink a little communion. Have a good time. No, they didn't. (laughs) Ultimately, that good time leads to tragedy for both of them. Both of them are dead. Mm. Isn't that terrible? Yes. However, the local priest, who's played by Martin Sheen, along with the townspeople, find that one of them comes back to life. Ooh, three days later. (laughs) Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Sorry. Three three hours hours dead. (laughs) And... And all of a sudden, the town is intrigued because could this be an act of God? Could this be the end of the curse of that city, of that little town? Well, all kinds of miraculous things start happening. People are getting their joy back, seemingly. People's animals who've been ill are coming back to life, all because of Leo. With that being said, Leo is very depressed. He's sad. Why? Because tragedy has struck the town and all the children that are gone were taken out by an extremely dramatic weather-related situation. Yeah, and that happened before the movie Before. So the question is, with this newfound miracle, will the town have faith to move past the tragedy, or will they stay in a depressed mode? Now, the priest, played by Martin Sheen, is doing everything he can to help revive the town, but is it enough? Is this new glimmer of hope enough? Will Leo finally be the miracle they need? Will he find the love that he desires? Will his mother finally treat him as equal because he's dealing with his own demons of the past concerning his mother? Where where will all this lead? Well, by the time you get to the end of it, there is a certain kind of catharsis that happens. But I will say this. It's beautifully played out. That's the gist of the plot. Oh, ooh. and let me tell you, everybody, the ref did a great job of dancing around it, not giving you too much. No, so th- there's some yeah. pivotal things. Exactly. So there's even more to it that enriches the story. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh oh, yeah, yeah. I mentioned Mr. Terrence Malick. Yes, this is the Tree of Life guy. Tree of Life and, and all other kinds of things. So we know that he has a certain aesthetic. Yes. When it comes to filming the camera, it, it swoops around, you know, it flows. It's not necessarily a logical connection all the time. It's more of an emotional one. Sparse dialogue, use of silence, of music, use of just natural sound. We get a lot of those things here from Mr. Quintana. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully shot. It is beautiful. The colors, the even um, as the town is in mourning and they're in black, as soon as there's any glimmer of hope, he's, his use of color is beautiful, isn't it? Yes, even the interiors. Oh, we were talking oh, about this oh. before we recorded, Ref. One of the homes in there, everybody, there are pictures on the wall. It's beautiful. There. And it even flows just like the, the water that they're near. So that kind of thing, if you're if you're interested or you like those kinds of films, that's great. I was even thinking of Terrence Malick's New World movie with um, Colin Farrell. 
Mm. That kind of thing uh, is going on here. And even Ingmar Bergman, if you know those classic films. Uh, so that's one thing to consider if you're thinking of watching this. I think that for the most part in this film, it had a beautiful rhythm. I think that the, the actors had a nice spirit together. There was something about that cast that really did seem like they were a town. I agree. Um, and it's not too long. See, it's, no. under, yeah, it's under an hour and a half, and I think that was helpful. So here's what I'll say. If you like that kind of uh, more languid pace, it's not slow, but it doesn't really move quickly. If you want to see this kind of story, which is really about mourning, it's about loss. and How to deal with mourning, yeah. Yeah, and how, how to, to deal with the past. Yes. How, yeah. how do you move forward from that? Can you move forward? What does redemption look like? If those kinds of things sound good to you, definitely check this out. Um, if you are an art house uh, buff, go to the movies. Yeah. See this. You'll appreciate it. Yeah. If you're not, if you're just more into the story, I would say you can wait. But it will certainly affect you. Yeah. I have to echo that, and that's and we can end it here. Listen, I texted you right away, and I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful movie. Is it perfect? No. no. Is it always logical? Absolutely not. Um, are the performances perfect from everyone? No, but there is something very beautiful, and you will be touched, and you'll be moved by it. You may not know how or why, but you will come out affected. And I think, for me, that's worth a watch. And now, the pick of the week. The critic is coming at us with a pick of the week, and we have none other than one of our favorite shows, one of my favorite actors. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Idris Elba starring in Luther, the series. Yes, this is really when he decided to break out and really affect his career with this show on Netflix. You can catch it on September 17th, season four, which was released um, this past December, created by Neil Cross. Also, this is, I mean, they're bringing in the awards and the nominations. It's nominated for an Emmy for Best Actor, Idris, and show season four. Also, um, he picked up a SAG award this year for it and nominated for a Golden Globe. What is so special about season four, Luther? Well, what's special is a short. You see, that's what it is. Now, let me tell you, everybody, when you get to Netflix, if you haven't seen Luther, you can watch the whole thing. Now they're giving us season four. Season four really is two episodes. So it's really a movie. Mm. That's what it is. And in the States, that's how it was showed. It was They showed it back to back. And this was um, on BBC America? America, that's mm-hmm. right. You better, you better know what you're talking about. It's Idris, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, he plays DCI John Luther. Um, he's a detective across the pond with some problems. Okay, he skirts the law. He wants to get down to business. He doesn't care who you are, criminal or not. Okay, we know in the first three seasons, a villain, we don't know, love interest, something weird. Alice Morgan, played by the great Ruth Wilson, was the person that got him going. In this final season, she's not there, but the specter of her character is. And he comes across a new lady. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. No Zoe. <laughs> no Zoe. That's right. Now, is this lady good or bad? 
Oh boy, he likes the bad ones. That's the question, okay? So and look, is he still with the law? That's the question too. Yes, it is. Now, see, I'm not going to give you everything, everybody. You got to watch it. Now, this is nice and dark the way I like it. The Brits always know how to do nice crime drama with a nasty look, and it's all real, everybody. Okay, so. If you are a fan of Luther and you haven't uh, watched season four, check it out. It's short. It's sweet. You know, it'll give you your little fix. It's not too much. If you haven't seen it overall, again, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for now? It's not the end. It's not the final season. He is coming back. But until then, yes, he is. Ooh. Until then, you can check it out September, starting September 17th on Netflix. But you need a subscription to do so. <laughs> Another Why Watch That Sneak Peek. The ref got a chance to see a screening without me. How dare she? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and this I'm is so lonely. <laughs> well, of course, I wasn't there. Now, this is Operation Avalanche, which comes out September 16th in a theater near you. It's directed by Matt Johnson. He also co-wrote it with Josh Ohl. Uh, he's stars. also yeah, in it, <laughs> starring in it, along with Owen Williams and Josh Bowles. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you got to tell us about this one, Ref. What in the world is going on? Because I saw poster. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Operation Avalanche is a fictional take on the landing on the moon the United States had in the 60s. So it's a fictional take. It's not based on actual reality, but they took essence of reality and decided to create the story and let me tell you about it. So it starts off with these very smart um, Matt Johnson along with Owen Williams and Josh uh, Bowles. They are these smart um, graduates of these Ivy League schools that mm. the uh, CIA has hired to do a specific project. Matt Johnson is sort of the ringleader of the three um, and his group. Very ambitious, very ambitious, which is good to note later on in the movie. He wants to climb the CIA ladder. Now, what happens is all at once, President Kennedy announces that we will have an American land on the moon and safely return. Up until then, they have not had that happen. We're also in the middle of the Cold War with Russia. So there's a lot of dynamics going on and pressure on NASA to get that spacecraft to the moon, land safely, and then return safely. So what happens is there is a mole in NASA. CIA gets information that there is a mole. And we know where that mole is coming from. Because <laughs> of the time period. That's right. It's a Russian mole. Oh. And all of a sudden, their resources focus on NASA because there is a fight for Russia to get spacecraft on the moon along with the Americans. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they send this elite group of guys to go, and it's actually Matt Johnson's idea, to go into NASA as a documentary film crew. Filming the behind the scenes of NASA so that they can get into um, secret places and all sort get all sorts of access. But also they're using that because the mole will be relaxed to smoke out the mole. So yeah. NASA has them infiltrate NASA. No, CIA is infiltrating oh. NASA. <laughs> oh. Um, but, also, yes, 
CIA is spying on NASA to uh. get that to get the Russian mole. Now, what ends up happening is Matt Johnson gets information. The director he gets information that they actually cannot land on the moon. It's they can't seem to get it done, and we're talking Apollo Eleven is coming up fast. So he gets a bright idea. Oh, uh. he says, "Wait a minute, why don't we just?" Do what Stanley Kubrick did in his latest film, and they actually go to Stanley Kubrick's set and get all of Stanley Kubrick's uh, filming techniques. They have I to can't take any more of this. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's crazy. They go on the set, grab all the secrets from Stanley Kubrick, and actually fake a landing uh, on the moon. So conspiracy are theorists are, are going to go nuts with this. Mm. Are they successful? I don't know. Um, but what happens is they get a lot more from what they're bargained for because not only is Russia not happy about this, but there could be a mole inside the CIA. So there are a lot of questions, a lot of conspiracies going on, and we'll just leave the plot at that. Now, let's, oh, talk-, we're leaving it there. <laughs> let's talk about the actual movie. You're going to have to watch it to find out what else happens because a lot does. Yeah. The actual movie is shot in documentary style. So get this. It's a film shot in documentary style about people who are pretending to be documentarists. (laughs) 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 Who are really CIA agents. So follow that rabbit hole. So it's you get a lot of the feel of the office. Now you also have this whole Cold War Russian kind of spy thing. You get some hints that this director and the writers, they're watching the Americans. You also, it's during the 60s, the late 60s, you get pregnant women smoking. So you get this like yeah. essence of madmen. It's just, it's a lot of, you can tell that these guys were really influenced. Here's the one word I have about this movie. Mm. Ambitious. Uh, it, it's an ambitious movie. It doesn't always work. In fact, there are many times it doesn't work. But it's I, I have to applaud these guys for putting this crazy story together and then doing it the way that they did because every scene is shot as if it were being captured on camera. Now, do all of those scenes work? Because I'm very particular about that, especially when I watch The Office or Parks and Rec, anything that has... Um, any kind of camera supposed to represent an actual physical person yeah. who's supposed to be there. You get scenes where he's on his bed eating pizza, watching TV, and a cameraman wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So, um, filming at least. And also what happens is the film is very comedic. There's a lot of improv. Um, I don't know Matt Johnson and his crew, but apparently they're they're big in Canada. This is by Canadians. And yes, they did have Canadian accents. And yes, it did throw the referee off when they said out and sorry. So these yeah. are supposed to be American. So I was just like, oh, I wish you could have worked on that. But overall, it's an entertaining movie. It's a very entertaining concept. At the end, it's, it starts off as a, com- a, a comedy or um, has light comedic moments, very witty sort of long pauses, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It ends up something else. So it does shift in the movie. Mm-hmm. It becomes a thriller, supposedly, with the car chasing and, you know, the un- the unexpected deaths. Ooh, whoa. Oh, so, I mean, it just sort of morphs into something a little bit different. But what I will say is, if you happen to stumble into a theater... And you're saying, you know, I just kind of want to watch this. You won't be thoroughly disappointed. You're, you'll, you'll be entertained, and okay. you'll walk out going, you know what? For the budget that they had, for the for the lack of experience with the writers and the actors and the directors, this was an ambitious movie that didn't quite fall flat on its face. It is an enjoyable movie. So, yeah, that's my yeah. verdict. 
Okay, well, that sounds like a whole bunch in an hour and a half. It's a lot <laughs> going on. But then again, you know, that's what ambition does, right? Yes, it does. So, everybody, you make the call. Again, Operation Avalanche will be in theaters September 16th. Mm. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.